I just slipped through an exam, and you're listening to a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. And right now I'm joined by journalist and author Stephen Davies. He is uh, part of a panel talk, this, well, a talk tonight um, about misinformation and disinformation in the age of COVID-19. Uh, Morena to you, Stephen. Morning. How are we today? I'm very well, uh, thank you. Probably like most of the world, uh, hanging on tenterhooks for the US election result. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Was it a late night, or did you think, oh no, I'll, I'll go to bed? No, uh, I'm afraid I be- I've become completely obsessive and uh, <laughs> and, and kept uh, checking and logging on and, and you know checking the latest polls and the counts as well. Um, I have to say, from my my point of view, not because. I, but, you know, Donald Trump is obviously unqualified to be president, but because if I think he wins, it will be ac- actually a triumph for the entire philosophy of, of creating an alternative reality and, and, and running a, fa- a campaign of fake news. Yes. And that would be bad for the world. That would be very, very bad for the world. Um, well, fake news, um, it seems like it's, you know, a current phenomenon um, but it's not. I mean, this goes back to, you know, as far as the human consciousness does. Uh, knowledge is power. If you can skew that knowledge uh, in your favour, then you have the power, right? Yeah, it's always been the case that people in power can control the information flow, and it's always been the case that there's fake news right back to, um, you know, invented stories in the 17th and 18th centuries. But what is different now is the speed at which it can travel around the world and the use of social media to manipulate people. There are lots of studies that show on Twitter falsehoods travel much more rapidly around the world than the truth. And people who manipulate public opinion like Trump uh, and Putin and so forth know this very well. So that's a major difference. And I think also too many of us on social media just pass things on thinking oh that's interesting that's fun i'll just pass it on Mm -hmm. without taking responsibility for that action without thinking that that one action they may not they might not believe it's true but imagine that one action multiplied by a million times yeah at circulating around the world and imagine some of those people believing it Mm -hmm. so there is the danger and, um, is it true that, you know, this kind of dif- disinformation is created with, you know, a, a lot of falsehood, but with, with touches of truth and enough truth that lives within the, the fake news or the lie that makes it seem legitimate? Absolutely. The very clever stuff, and I've, um, in my uh, previous book, Truth Teller, and in my new research examine the work of the Russians, the very clever stuff combines just enough truth to make it seem plausible, but while altering significant aspects of it. Also now, of course, we have Twitter sites which and Facebook sites which report, purport to be news sites which are designed to look like real news sites and therefore designed to fool you. So a lot of the misinformation and disinformation I mean, some of it's just completely crazy, mm-hmm. like QAnon mm-hmm. theory, yeah. but a lot of it is actually rather cleverly done. And so you have to be really careful to um, avoid being fooled by it. 
And I, and I guess one of the other big problems is that a, a lot of this fake news and disinformation uh, and misinformation especially uh, is directed towards um, news sites, legitimate news. And, and we know, you know, um, some news stations queue to the left or queue to the right and some have been guilty in the past of of fake news but um you know the the people that are spreading this stuff want to discredit the legitimate media um to make it look like they they are the enemies and you shouldn't listen to them and we are the truth tellers absolutely and one of the things i most object as a lifelong journalist has been called you know an enemy with the people by uh, people in Western democracies now, whereas it used to be just dictators. No, you're absolutely right. There's a whole trend, by the way, in spreading conspiracy theories to to cover or distort the work of actual investigative journalists mm. like me, who might be digging into some story that a government doesn't want to you to discover. And, you know, even in countries, it's important to note that even in places where we have pretty normal politics thankfully mm-hmm. and a pretty open and trusting society we still have our own groups of extremists the q anon group um has a lively following in new zealand new zealanders um there were at least 20 cases of cell phone towers being burned down in new zealand yeah. because of the daft 5g theory and and that's why we're having this uh tonight uh, thankfully david shanks who's the chief sense who's become a good friend of mine is very supportive of the campaign as i said he has a lot of influence on what new zealanders see and don't see he has to balance freedom of expression with you know some stuff is too appalling for anybody to see. Yep. And um so that's why tonight um with david and with kate hannah um, an amazing cultural historian. We're going to be discussing this issue and and warning New Zealanders that you too are very uh, vulnerable to this stuff. You may not. We may not have the, too many of the fringes that believe the real crazy stuff. But you know, if you're a Russian or a Chinese practicing a disinformation campaign. Uh, to see if it works, why not try New Zealand? Yeah. Why not try that nice, trusting, open society in New Zealand? <laughs> well, we saw the New Zealand People's Party um, tied up with Advanced New Zealand, and there was a little, you know, there was a bit of the same thing that we're seeing in America uh, with, within that group, right? A- a- and some of them, um, especially the leader, Billy TK, he's claiming um, it was a fraudulent election in New Zealand. Absolutely. And you know what's the disturbing thing about that group? I mean, they didn't get that many votes, but I tell you what, they were extremely well funded. So a lot of people have signed over very large checks to have this group go around uh, pushing incredibly distorted conspiracy theories on New Zealand. So that's that's a disturbing trend. I mean, who's sending them the money? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, it's your job to find out, Stephen. Um, how does the Fourth Estate challenge, um, you know, the hits it's getting f- from some of these groups? How does it fight back? Yeah, that's a very good question. Many journalists now are time-constrained. Uh, the numbers of us are lim- more limited than they were. First off, I'd say to the public, if you want proper journalism, If you want real journalism where people take the time to find things out and investigate things and and put in a good faith effort to get to the truth 
and discuss the important issues, you have to pay for it. Mm-hmm. We really have to convince. If you want free stuff, you're mostly going to get propaganda. If you just want to get your news from clickbait on the internet, you're going to get propaganda, lies, and distortion. You have to be prepared to invest in good journalism so good journalists can continue to do their work. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And we, I guess, you know, um, we want to see more responsibility from the likes of Facebook and Twitter because, you know, people, um, when it comes to COVID-19, you know, with that misinformation, people are looking for information and they're legitimately look, looking for the truth. But w- with the levels of untruth that are easy to find, it's easy to be fooled, right? And once you're fooled, it's kind of hard to, to back out of it. Yeah, look, I'm glad you mentioned Facebook. I mean, I'm adamant on this. Facebook is a morally indefensible organization. They are actually a publisher and a broadcaster of material, Mm -hmm. but they refuse to take responsibility. They refuse to be treated as a publisher or a broadcaster. You know when you look on their site, they're publishing things and they're broadcasting it. And yet they say, oh, no, no, it's not us. And, you know, one interesting fact is that Facebook did an internal study which discovered that its algorithms were a major recruiter for white supremacist groups around the world. 65% of the people recruited to white supremacist groups discovered them through Facebook posts. Yeah, yeah. So here we have a company that's, you know, (laughs) recruiting crazy people and refuses to take responsibility for it. Well, you know, if they take responsibility for it, the stock price goes down. Uh, you, know. you know, they could still make money. I yeah. think people have to understand, you, people need to own their own data, and Facebook need to be um, forced to change their algorithms. All right, they may make a billion or two less, but, you know, we can't have a big company like that being so socially irresponsible. Mm-hmm. You know, did, did it all kind of start to ramp up when you know because there's always been conspiracy theories you look at uh, over the last 30 years we look at um 9-11 the moon landing things like that but you know when bush and blair were caught out in their lie and you know we knew cheney lied we knew they lied about the the, the um weapons of mass destruction is that when we started to really go right we you know people in the back of their minds thought we can't really trust those in power these days and now with the internet booming it's just gone crazy Oh, that's absolutely a fair point. You know, people in power deceived us over Iraq, over weapons of mass destruction, over other important issues. And then what happens is that... And they deceive journalists, of course. Yes. And what happens is then public trust falls, and the less trusting you are, the more likely you you to be influenced and believe some other crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah. So you can draw a direct, direct line from that um, the disturbing thing is all these all these um, crazy conspiracy theories seem to morph as well. You know, the QAnon people have now adopted the anti-vaxxers, have adopted a whole strand of anti-Semites, have adopted this and that, and, and, and they all get mixed together in some fantastic, unlikely hodgepodge. Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, I, I, I teach my students at the uni an interesting thing about the moon landings. A, a BBC mathematician did a calculation on how many people would have had to have kept a secret for all these years mm-hmm. if the Apollo 11 landing had been faked. 
and he came up with a figure of 440,000 people. That's right. That's right. Which, of course, I mean, we, we know as human beings, nobody can keep a secret. I mean, you tell one made a secret, he's going to tell at least one other person. Yeah, that's right. Um, the idea that 440,000 people are going to keep this amazing secret for all these years is just nonsense. Especially about something that big. Like, I mean, I can tell you what, if, if it was me, I would have spilled. I would have easily spilled yeah, the beans. of course you would. <laughs> it's the moon landing. I, mean, I covered actual conspiracies involving spies and intelligence services where people signed the Official Secrets Act and could go to jail by spilling the secret, and I still got people to talk to me. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, you're right. If you knew the moon landings were secretly faked, you'd be making your fame and fortune by outing it, by writing a book. and That's know. right. But, uh, written by Anonymous. That's yes, Anonymous, yeah. exactly. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Um, right, we'll, we'll, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for taking the time out to speak to us this morning. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, so I'd just like to um, say to people, it's going to be a brilliant discussion tonight mm-hmm. at yep. 5.30 at the um, Hutton Theatre at the Otago Museum. And apart from... Um, listening to me and the rest of the panel, I think, you know, the chance to question David Shanks, the chief censor, is going to be one you can't miss. Yeah, that's right. David Shanks, uh, Kate Hanna as well, who is a cultural historian of science. Um, so a great, a great um, team there tonight at the Hutton Theatre, just across the road from us here at Radio 1, of course, and of course it's at the museum, our, our wonderful sponsors of the show. So uh, everybody get along. Um, you can get your tickets on otagomuseum.nz. Uh, once again, Stephen, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day and have a good night tonight. Yeah, brilliant, James. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers. All right, there you go. Stephen Davis there, who is a lecturer here at the University of Otago, uh, investigative reporter and war and foreign correspondent for many years, three decades, uh, documentary filmmaker, uh, and he definitely knows his stuff. And he'll be talking tonight along with the classifications office chief censor uh, and deputy director of equality and inclusion um, Kate Hanna um, of some organisation. No, sorry. Uh, right. That was a Radio 1 91 FM podcast. But find more at r1.co.nz.